<laughs> hey there, students. Sorry to interrupt your day, but could all of Video High please meet in the auditorium? Mr. Marlowe's class has an announcement concerning a possible reboot, whatever that is. Uh, that is all. You rolling? Uh, Casey? <laughs> yes. Casey, sing pop one. Oh, wow. Oh. Greg, sing pop two. <laughs> uh, Josh, sing pop three. Jamie, sing pop four. Everything's topsy-turvy. Casey will be at the top of the, <laughs> of of the, the audio of tracks. The yeah, <laughs> finally, I'm on top. I'm so glad we sync these the same way. <laughs> and then, I don't know why my laptop's open. Like, yeah, like, I, like I have notes? notes to, like... <laughs> confer with on this. Yeah, I did not write anything. Reduce, reuse, <laughs> recycle. Podcast. <laughs> Record. <laughs> Guys, what's the difference between a remake and a reboot? That is an excellent question. Uh, what's the difference between a remake and a reboot? Huh. I feel like a remake <laughs> is retreading the same steps and a reboot is reinterpreting. Which one has the same cast? Which one has different casts? Or do they both have different casts? I would say a reboot is when the studio or the filmmakers intend to start another series, mm. whereas yeah. a remake would be, this is a one-off. Mm. Okay. So okay. John Carpenter's The Thing would be a remake. Oh. And slash like- but a reboot is Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. It, it's okay. like, this is a whole new thing. Okay. We're setting up the stage. I don't know how you categorize something that was a remake of something that wasn't originally a series, and then the remake gets a sequel. I don't know how you categorize that one. I didn't even follow you to the end of the sentence. <laughs> I think that's better than this, but I always thought of a remake as keeping tentpole story elements the same, whereas a reboot would be like, we need to not Change only like start... Yeah, we need to change the rules a little bit because the the time is different now. I think there's something so interesting about like modern horror directors putting their spin on like 1950s, 1940s, 60s horror films, and like what the modern ones can do to it. Because Del Toro did it recently. Not that Nightmare, oh, yeah, yeah. not that Nightmare Alley is a horror. It's more of like you know, yeah. but he still takes on a lot of that aesthetic. He takes on so much of the aesthetic, and like it, it, you're like, why? Why did you want to do this? And I think it's just because they're fascinated with those movies and what like you can do with them now and that's what i think is interesting about the horror well because they were just you gotta think it had to be all atmosphere and filmmaking it was a time when a big scare scene at the end could be like a skeleton right like we have we have more tools in the horror toolbox now which of (laughs) course is why filmmakers love it yeah that's essentially the reason that carpenter made the thing Mm -hmm. was because he was fascinated by the thing from another world but he thought, well, now we have the money and the technology and the ability to show the monster. Yeah. yeah. And just the taste. But then I would consider the uh, 2010 The Thing a reboot because it could it keeps the other continuity the same. Well, well wait a minute. Was the 2010 The Thing, I didn't see it, actually meant to be a prequel? Is yeah. So John Carpenter's The Thing is a remake. 2010 yeah. The Thing is a reboot? Yes, I think, I think that makes sense. Or, or, a, or a reboot slash prequel. Yeah, it would yeah. be like I think a, it's both. I think it's that's both. That's horrible. That's a horrible thing. It's a <laughs> I think it's a pre-boot. Is, is <laughs> the pre-boot. technical yeah. term. <laughs> we got a pre-boot. We've got to <laughs> talk about Cube Zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never seen Cube Zero. I just love the fact that it's called Cube, cube Zero. Cube Does zero, that yeah. mean Cube to the Zero? power what does that what does that mean i think it means forget everything you know well no there was cube and then there was cube two hypercube and then they made a prequel and called it cube zero oh, and wow. that rules Should that I fucking that? rules Shouldn't that, that is cube uh, negative one technically there's also a couple of tapes of like kickboxing movies one of them is american kickboxer one and american kickboxer two but american kickboxer one literally is called american kickboxer or one. <laughs> <laughs> wait, really? Wow. Yeah, wait, I got Oh, the... that's like calling retroactively Star Wars, Star Wars Episode 4 instead of... <laughs> Which oh, is man. inherently ridiculous. Yes. yes. 
American, American kickboxer won. Wow, they, that is. They knew. They're lucky they made a second one. Otherwise, they set themselves up for failure. <laughs> that is. Oh, eggs on my face. Oh, to my take God. some internet lingo. That is some. That is some Chad attitude. That is a. That is I a. Know. That is a person with confidence. That's like in a movie that ends with blank will return, <laughs> and it's like they've been lucky so far that they have, but like. Oh. There's a lot of full moon movies like that. <laughs> <laughs> that promise sequels that, uh-uh, no ma'am. Fucking everything that Charles Band makes, he wants it to become a franchise, and yeah. very few of them became franchises. <laughs> Puppet Master did. Yeah, Puppet Master's not a good movie. <laughs> I've never seen it. All I know is it gets weirdly Nazi towards the... Or the they're all... The, it all takes... from From the first one... They all have to do with Nazis. That's Would not have expected that's... that from a evil puppet movie. I forget how it works, but the guy who made them was trying to keep them from the Nazis. I think, <laughs> but sure. I, it's been an, it's been fucking eight years since I watched it. I don't know. Nazis come in and out of, of it, but they've all they've always wow. been, been there. That's just sort of true of life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Nazis come in and out. But they've just always been there. You can the always Nazis count on them. Will always, <laughs> yeah, and every movie should end like that. I would that love if an Indiana Jones movie ended like that. Not with Indiana Jones will return, but Nazis will return. The Nazis will return. In Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 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 we're on remakes and reboots. Yeah. We yep. all have opinions on one. Yeah, well, sometimes your greatest franchises need to disappear for a little. <laughs> sometimes they need to just go away and rest in Valhalla before they uh, <laughs> descend back upon humanity. Fed, feasted, and ready to freak, baby. It is really interesting what time does to art because mm, yeah. there's there's Ooh. definitely some some Hey Greg. What? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean in the realm of like music we grew up with, for example, if you were to be like, okay, of all the bands from the like late 90s early 2000s, what would be the two bands that would like remain incredibly relevant? I, my money would not be on My Chemical Romance and Weezer. <laughs> and yet... Nevertheless, they persisted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I remember having the cognizant thought of, like, when I start to like 90s movies, you know that I've run out of other good things to watch. <laughs> and I heartily disagree with my former self in that <laughs> No, but you're totally right. Like, what was wrote in the 90s and even early 2000s, I feel like everything is in hindsight, like nostalgic. If we can live in the past, we can save the future. Yep. Like everything old becomes more valuable at a certain point. And, like, and I, I can trace it, right? Because like the 90s, for the most part, at least socially speaking, was very optimistic. Yes. And then we got hit by a couple of planes. <laughs> and... <laughs> I thought you were going to go for the metaphor, not the literal <laughs> No, we got literally literally just got hit with a couple of things and suddenly we were like, wow, all of this like weirdly optimistic stuff really doesn't resonate. And so like, of course, the like gnarly 60s and 70s movies started coming back into the zeitgeist and everybody's, you know, excited Mm -hmm. about Grindhouse and that kind of stuff. And all the dark, gritty reboots yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, started the coming dark, about. Dark, gritty reboots came out of that. Because like, they felt like very me, real. Yeah, I like me some Nolan Batman, but that is a direct result of like what people were going through at the time. And now we're just at a point where we've been surrounded through social media and the and the constant barrage of all media being like, it's unrealistic if it's not downbeat in some way. Now it's like, everybody is like, fucking give me a show about people baking or cleaning their yep. house. Yep. Like any- or football players just yep. being happy and nice. Just- and so now I feel like a lot of people are have graduated from, wow, the 70s were really where it's at to be like, you know, it was sick when they just like threw blue lights on shit and had creatures in the 80s. And you know what? People just kicking each other and then having a beer in the 90s was also pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
Right, we were just like, you know what? The world is a dark place, and, and Batman <laughs> seems to be the perfect sort of like that you can you can track how we feel about Batman in just how we feel about ourselves, I think. Yeah. And I remember the British comedian, David Mitchell, he had these soapbox videos, and one of them he talked about, oh, yeah. uh, I forget exactly what he says, but he basically was like, two of the greatest films ever made, The Sting and The Godfather, come out, right? And Ooh. the thing about great movies is they inspire less great movies to be made after them, right? And if you're looking at those two movies, The Sting and The Godfather, I forget exactly how he said it, but he was like, it makes perfect sense why people just remade The Godfather forever after that because it's like wow that's a great movie it looks super easy to copy we can just do the costumes like there can be some kills like a mafia movie is easy you look at the sting it's like wow that sure looks complicated that's a lot of writing let's not remake that like <laughs> we didn't see like an entire like like con artist genre yeah exactly there's a reason why mafia genre became so huge after the godfather it's just easier yeah. to rip off in the same way i think gritty batman is actually easier to rip off than fun batman yep yes 100 percent. i had an incredible distaste for the joel schumacher batman films. okay and then i rewatched batman and robin recently and I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and unapologetically loved it. And I'm a huge fan of the 60s Batman show and the movie. Love the movie. I'm a huge fan of the t Tim Burton Batman. And I thought that the Joel Schumacher ones were just so incredibly over the top that it didn't work. And then I watched them again. I'm like, oh, no, no. These know exactly what they're doing. It's a little... T the, the thing is, is like, I also have had a rekindling of my love for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin just because I think now two decades straight of, of dark Batman has, like, left me craving. <laughs> you crave something. Yeah, and <laughs> why can't Batman hold a giant bomb anymore and run It's around? a rich, fancy lad dressed as a bat because he thinks criminals are afraid of bats when obviously he's, <laughs> afraid, he's of afraid of bats of like bats. <laughs> that's like that's the thing that no one ever brings up to batman in the batman universe which is always weird to me they're like why a bat he's like to strike fear in the hearts of criminals like do you think i'm not afraid of bats are you I mean, are you afraid of bats what no what shut up what happened to you? I don't want to talk about it. In that sense, I, I I do think they're not perfect. They're certainly not perfect movies, like the Joel Schumacher <laughs> movies. No. If you wanted to be really simplistic about like the eras of pop culture, you could just go from the gritty to the camp, the camp's reaction to the gritty, to then the gritty's reaction to that camp, to then the camp's reaction mm -hmm. to that gritty, and it's just that <laughs> forever, right? And I think that, you know, the 90s their camp reacting to like the grit of the 70s and then they're really being a pastiche to that camp of the 60s yeah it's like you took tim burton's batman and you took adam west's batman and you put him in a yeah. blender and it brings it to the nth level where the entire city is just giant ass statues which i kind of love you're also talking about the the 80s was the start of it, but the 90s being the golden age of films made for children and tweens. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. We've, we've gone through cycles, and we are currently in a cycle where we relegate media that is made for the under 18 crowd as basically being bullshit. Like and we streaming. Do, we give, we yeah. give, outside yeah. of Pixar, there is yeah. no honor in working <laughs> for media that is not aimed squarely at adults. And I say that as someone whose chosen field is editing YA television. Like, that's right. what gives me joy, but it's never going to be looked down as serious or anything. Like, that. this is what Whereas I Whereas, <laughs> from Indiana Jones until... Home Alone, Uncle Buck, like yeah. that era. Like, you basically, from Indiana Jones until the death of John Candy, you Ooh, basically see PG and PG-13 being the ultimate... It's almost high cinema at the time. 
Ma- yeah, we wanted mass market appeal, but there was but there was honor in that, and there was a lot of <laughs> damn honor in that. But like it, Richard fucking Donner directed the Goonies, like it was like the highest of thing you could do. And and outside of like Star Wars movies, there's not a you lot can't put, of okay. Spoiler alerts for Spider Man. You can't put every Spider Man in a movie and think this is for children. Yeah. <laughs> like it's for us. It's for it's for us. You can't put a forty year old Tobey Maguire in a movie and, and think like some twelve year old is going to be like yeah. It's, it's, well, that's the I, I think that's a problem of and it's the issue we're 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 coming back to is uh, there's a lot of reasons why that environment isn't there anymore, Greg. But I think part of it is that adult culture and child culture is not are not quite so there was a time when those two things were different and so those films that needed to get the whole family needed to like navigate two different things whereas like now adult culture and is i i was just about to recommend people if they want a good batman reboot that uh navigates silly and dark to like watch the harley quinn animated series (laughs) <laughs> I've been dying to watch it. I've been dying. That is, okay. a, I was about to exemplify the issue, which is just that, like, I, I think the beauty of of that era of like family movie that was so great is because it, you were only dealing with one era of children's childlike desire, and you can like play into the more adult sense of wonder of everyone else. But now we're all just the same like levels of absolute escapism. We, that's, not, <laughs> that's not like just the kids anymore. We all want that. Yeah, and I think that, that dovetails nicely into reboots and remakes. <laughs> because yep. like they need, I think, to justify their own existence mm-hmm. in the text. And a lot of the times they don't. Like, the first question I have when a studio announces that they're, like, rebooting something is, why? (laughs) A lot of the times it's cashing in on, you know, fan service and things like that. It's a nostalgia check. But sometimes, occasionally, it's like, okay, we can recontextualize this. Either we have the technology to pull this off in an interesting way. We have more cultural awareness of a thing that we can do. Yeah. Well, that transitions to what I was going to talk about, and now I have changed my mind. You I, changed yeah. my mind? <laughs> I was setting you up. I know you yes, are. yes, yes. Um, yes, marital problems. <laughs> I was, I was you know, laying no. you up. That was the whoop. You set me up for You a spiked spike that ball away. Back in your face. No, because I was originally going to talk about West Side Story for all those reasons. Um, because... It, it, it is a remake that I think does help to justify his own existence. And I and I say that as a super fan of the original movie who's seen it like 20 times and in eighth grade wrote a fan fiction sequel to West Side Story where Maria goes off to live a happy life. Uh- <laughs> where did she go? Yeah. Uh, well, she was going to leave town just like she and Tony always talked about, but she stops in to uh, meet Tony's mother and like commiserate with her and then oh, ends up forming a friendship with Ooh. her and like living with Tony's mother and like That's starting their life that way. Well, um, living with Tony's mother? Yeah. You know. Oh, okay. What was this? How did how did eighth grade Jamie Kennedy explain that? Was it just like where's I'm sad, you're sad, let's live together now? Basically, nice. yeah. Like <laughs> she, she needs she needs help, so I I'm here and I'm gonna we're gonna help each other through our grief. I never finished this story, even though I spent every study hall writing it. <laughs> I think it's a good idea, Mama Maria. Here I go again. <laughs> <laughs> I think no. it's sort of the. Yeah. I think it's the story we need to finally heal the West Side. I know needs that story. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to talk about that, but then I decided to say something way more controversial, which is talk <laughs> about the 2016 Ghostbusters Ooh. answer the call. Yes, because yes. if we're talking about much maligned reboots, they don't come more maligned than that. I think. I don't even get any worse. <gasps> yeah. Left off the dang box set. Dang movie off the dang and box like, set. We saw the new new Ghostbusters too, Ugh. which I think is a terrible example of a reboot because that is going purely for fan service. It's going into this gritty reboot territory that Greg was talking about. That like I'm just exhausted by. And 
And what Ghostbusters answered the call had going for it is it's a comedy. Yeah. Ghostbusters is just a comedy. Like, everybody got the wrong message from <laughs> Ghostbusters. They were like, everybody likes it when they fight the damn ghost. Yeah, like, no, no, you realize that this is a movie about nothing. Yeah. That is just very, very funny. It's just right. vignettes of them busting ghosts. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> With incredible charismatic comedians. Like, really, the only message you can take from Ghostbusters, if anything, is this sort of anti-government uh, yes. Yeah. Sort of, sort of like, yeah. It's yeah, like the EPA is the worst it's thing to happen. It's a very libertarian movie, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense for Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, it's about free will and starting your own business. And as long as you're busting ghosts, then, you know, don't interfere. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen the, the 2016 Ghostbusters? I have yeah. not watched any. Uh, I don't. I don't. You, don't, you I, do not partake of Bustin. I don't. Bustin doesn't make you feel Bustin, good. <laughs> Bustin has only ever made me feel pretty good and never good <laughs> enough to seek it. <laughs> I love the original Ghostbusters. And yeah, it's the second great. one's fine. Uh, second one's a fun sequel. They yeah. turn the fucking Statue of Liberty into a kaiju. <laughs> is it the is it the premise of like all? subsequent Ghostbusters properties like everyone's forgotten about that time the Statue of Liberty well, came alive and smashed up a Well because Ghostbusters Answer the Call it's yeah. a pure reboot because that it, it erases everything that happened before these, that falls into Oh there are, are no Ghostbusters yeah, so maybe it's a This is a new first Ghostbusters This is a new first Ghostbusters yeah. and that's how you can bring back the originals as cameos but they're not playing their original characters whereas the new Ghostbusters Afterlife is a sequel continuation of the franchise poorly (laughs) i it's funny because i feel like we have the spectrum of experiences with these movies spectral but (laughs) (laughs) but i agree i i i thought the 2016 ghostbusters is the best one yeah yeah i personally of the opinion that ghostbusters the first ghostbusters is not that funny and is way too long oh it's so long every every time i watch it i forget how long it is really long the original ghostbusters but yeah it is Overlong in a lot of ways. It, it, it sits a lot, and the fact and the fact that there's so much footage that they didn't use is bananas. <laughs> yeah, and I like it more than I used to, but I find it just to be a fine movie. Like Bill Murray, who's supposed to be basically the like funniest person in the movie, all of the comedy is just like, ha ha ha! I'm going to trick women into se- into having <laughs> sexual relationships with me, and yeah. Dan Aykroyd. Not that funny and like fucking Egon. He's my is, favorite part of the movie. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, he's yeah. the best. And then like Ernie Hudson is literally, literally a token black guy. Like yeah. I was like, like especially for like the amount of reinterpretation of movies that has happened in the last decade. Like the fact that like seemingly Ghostbusters is wildly off limits is really funny because it's really problematic in a lot of respects. Yeah, people's childhoods were ruined. Were by ruined. This- by Movie? women. <laughs> By women. Yeah. By women. Right. Wearing the and costumes the fa- I like. And and it does what I want reboots and remakes to do, which is take the source material and recontextualize it and f- try and dissect it and yeah. be like, what's interesting about this? What can we do today that's different? And and get the- a good cast. Yes. yes. Get a really good cast. And, and yeah, wall-to-wall incredible actors. The amount of times I quote, don't ever compare me to the man from Jaws. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, when you have a movie that it stars some of the best SNL people to like of the last thirty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a good fucking movie, and it's a comedy. It is incredibly like, it's funny. Just and Paul, no one does comedies like Paul Feig. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they hired a great comedic director. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to get rediscovered. In I hope so. Te- in Especially 10 years. after after Afterlife, how how much they whiffed it there. With oh, trying What's to be funny like- though? I, I I haven't seen it. I know a lot of people that poo poo 2016 and are just like, yeah, this is what I'm talking <laughs> Makes about. Makes sense because it's like, fan service. Ghostbusters like, yeah. Afterlife is the rise of Skywalker yes. of Ghostbusters, where it's okay. I'm sorry, we did something radically interesting that and pissed different. off. 
off a bunch of internet boys. So, so we're gonna exactly we're gonna give you everything you, want. you wanted. You wanted Ray to be a Skywalker. Fine. You want Egon Ghost to uh, come back. Ghost. Like, sure. Uh, just to spoil Ghostbusters Afterlife, the ickiest part to me is an extended sequence where the ghost of Harold Ramis interacts with everyone, and then they like he like fades off, and they say for Harold, and I'm like. Was it? This doesn't feel like this is for him. <laughs> this is the more important thing for me uh, on this t- subject. Because I'll be Muncher honest, is everyone's favorite character. <laughs> nope, sorry. Second favorite podcast. Podcast. Favorite <laughs> there is a character named Podcast. It feels like the backlash is just ingrained sexism. Like yeah. That, oh, yeah. It, it, 100%. It, there is no cogent argument against that movie that I've heard apart from just, it's got girls. Yeah. And yeah. not sexy girls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if they were all hot. Coming soon. I'd like them. <laughs> Ghostbusters answer the call again. Starring Avril Lavigne <laughs> and Paris Hilton. Your <laughs> knowledge of hot famous women stopped in 2006. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2006 was okay. Sorry, Carmen Electra. Also, uh, there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I actually have a hard time thinking of anything, any property, any movie property that, if it were rebooted poorly, I would actually actually be upset about in a way that mm. would affect mm. my day in any real way. No, I've thought about that too. <laughs> I don't care no what reason... you do with a movie I like because you can just go watch the old movie you it, like. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for anything to ruin anything for you. Like if a filmmaker does a bad job with something, then you just don't watch yeah, it. You can just and you not go watch back that. to watching the ones that you like and it's not going to completely tarnish. It's, it's people who care too much about canon and continuity that yeah, get just this odd sort of religiosity that gets applied yeah. to these like things people like mostly because they watched them when they were kids and they yeah. hold yeah. them very close uh like like religion i guess weirdly weirdly i think what happens to to dime store psychologize Do a it. bit <laughs> there there is I, you, you can't even give yourself dollar store you, you're not even <laughs> I, i'd like i'd like he's to charging s- five cents more than lucy so yeah. like, <laughs> i also true, like yeah. this prognosis to be a bit horny too i feel like dinosaur <laughs> implies a certain horniness humans make decisions either implicitly or explicitly about the things that they like or don't like and that becomes an ingrained part mm. of their personality. So it's like yeah. you liking spicy foods is is somehow tied to your ego. And so yeah. when people don't, for some reason, it's an affront to your ego. Or if you stop liking spicy foods, there's like this inherent like, what have I done wrong? Or like when you're like, oh, I used to love metal records and now I can't listen to them. Humanity is so stubborn that it has a really hard time adjusting to the fact that we are always changing. And once a lot of people have made decisions about things and i feel like it's it's exemplified by the fact that humans think cats are smart when the answer is cats are stupid (laughs) they're just very picky and that we read pickiness as intelligence Mm, mm. and that dogs are much smarter than cats on an intelligence level but because they like are sort of indeterminately love and are excited about things, we think that they're stupid. And I think that that encapsulates encapsulates humanity's understanding of intelligence better than fucking anything else in the world. I feel so dumb all the time for liking everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and you could copy and paste that right onto film criticism. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend who, who runs a record store, for instance, and he would always be like... And he's a cat. (laughs) (laughs) it's a failing business i don't know how how to say it has great Um, taste in music because he's so picky it's called record scratch uh but but he but he used to say he's like he's like it's wild the amount of people that come in and ask me what my least favorite records are all the time he's like it's rare that people ask me what my favorite records are they're much more interested in what i hate Somebody with obvious knowledge, right? Uh, the the owner of a record store who would obviously be knowledgeable about music, and they want to know what they dislike, not what they like, and that 
is yeah. wild. I was listening to this old comedian, John Stewart. I think he had a TV show a long time ago. <laughs> oh, long, longer ago than anyone can remember. He was taught, someone asked him about cancel culture, which is uh, celebrities or or makers of media or whatever being canceled for something that just doesn't seem to actually be a phenomenon. And the way John, <laughs> Not a thing. John Not a thing. the way John Stewart described it is like he said we don't have a cancel culture we've hyper focused our response culture mm. Ooh. that's always been true it's always been easier to like make criticism than make out of whole cloth but it's like there is such a huge like enormous mechanism for responding to things nowadays and it's yeah. just not sexy to be like i liked it and had no issues <laughs> or like while it wasn't for me i could see someone else enjoying it and now i'll forget it forever that's yeah. just not uh yeah. which is how when, i like to, that's my baseline of how i like to function personally uh. there's nothing being like canceled because people are you know rising up and blah 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 it's just that like for Looks well, at maybe Confederate statues. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's true. <laughs> that's the, the but, one but, thing but, I'll but say. But statues, yes. not the not people. people. No, <laughs> like, no not the people. Because it's the, it's the people that are upset about the removal of the statues. It's not that they're like statue enthusiasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're start lovers, Greg. It's because they, they think that those people are going to, their names are going to get tarnished, right? right but right, it's like right. the answer is just like. Know. I don't even know if that's the psych. I think that's too simple, a psychology. I think, I think you know, let's imagine it's not just like vengeful racism or <laughs> I don't know, some like odd sort of hero worship towards Robert E. Lee <laughs> and the fear Robert E. Lee will be canceled, even though like dude was canceled by a stroke back in like 1870. Like, we're fine. <laughs> like, everything's fine. It's funny the way I, I was, as, as y'all were talking about Ghostbusters. Look, the people who are making these decisions to make these movies, they'd like to make money, right? They'd like to like milk all the honey out of every intellectual property they've got their fingers on. But, like, the way that the audience and the the studios are sort of latched together in this sinking ship of, like, we need to make Ghostbusters things for these swine who just, like, <laughs> sit at the trough going, more stuff, more stuff, and make it stuff I already like. <laughs> like, they are fools, but also at any moment they could overrun the facility. <laughs> and if we give them one too many women in their reboot movie, it may be all over for us. Like, it's a very odd fate. The two sides of this equation have been. And how does that relate to Star Trek, Josh? That's a good question. How does, uh, how does that dovetail okay, into Star no, Trek? Okay, no, I can do it. I, I can bridge that gap. 2009's Star Trek by J.J. Abrams is my maligned reboot. I think it's interesting because it's a reboot that is ostensibly maligned only by the Star Trek community. <laughs> You guys are the biggest cannibals of your own thing. Yeah, like, that's the first. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Trekkies have the most yeah. infighting. Yeah, you this can, is probably you can the probably, beginning yeah, of all this shit. You can probably shit. trace all of the fanboy bullshit to back Kirk to versus Kirk Picard. versus Picard. Yeah, exactly. Or just like, wait a minute, that fucking Cardassian looks differently than they looked last season. <laughs> yeah. I'm upset. Wait a minute. The- Kim, Kim Cardassian? Kim Cardassian, yeah. <laughs> it's not like... Star Trek had this impressive batting average. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that well, was then ruined. The have they? Have you? Have they watched the original series? So many of those episodes are just garbage. Everybody remembers the great ones because there are some fantastic episodes and examples of science fiction. But there's a lot of episodes where they just like sit around and Kirk gets horny, and that's it. That's the whole episode. Isn't that life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the best episodes. Well, some of my favorite TNG episodes are the bottle episodes where they're just like, we're just going to hang out for a little while. Hang out in the holodeck. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, the holodeck episodes where Picard's like, I'm just going to be an old, uh, a noir hero for a, a whole episode. Oh, I think the holodeck is one of the greatest additions to a television show ever. It's like we're, it's we're, a perfect plot. We're device. remaking Star Trek, but what if we don't want to do that sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> but, but what if, as a writer, I want like to write a Western? Yeah, I'd like to just not. What if be I want a, an evil yeah. Abe Lincoln? Yeah. <laughs> what if we do an episode where nobody talks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the those movies, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, are box office hits. But Dynamos, baby! Pow! <laughs> to the moon! But a lot of Trekkies are like, wait, <laughs> but no, it's my, this isn't my Captain Kirk. 
And I completely disagree with all of that. But is it because it's trying to make Star Trek... Like, is it because the new Star Trek yes. movies bring people like me in who exactly. has never cared about Star Trek? And I'm like, I like that movie. And it's like, you don't understand Star Trek because you haven't seen the original, <laughs> you know... I've only watched Voyager. Episodes. <laughs> like, right. I definitely got in because I watched Deep Space Nine... And then I remember Voyager starting, and I feel like I remember, and you would have a better sense of this, it was Voyager embraced at the beginning? Because I, my my feeling no. was it wasn't. Yeah, it was I feel like it was very... Hey, it, sexism it, rears its ugly head again. Was it the Ghostbusters of Star Trek? Yeah. No, it really... It I truly, like uh, That's what I remember, is they were like, Janeway is a bad... Captain. F- bad captain, which is wild Jane coming Wayne after fucking Deep Space Nine. Be- because because Deep Space Nine, fucking what's his, I don't even remember that guy's name either. Uh, who's the guy, who's who's the captain of Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine was Benjamin not my, Cisco. Uh, not my Star Trek. Oh, Cisco. Oh, Cisco. He's if you look terrible. At command He's style. Just he like, likes big is... butts and I cannot is that him? No, 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 no it's not. Thong, the thong, oh thong, thong. Thong, thong. Yeah, you know thong, what? Thong, that is one thing I will not stand for. You will not take Thong Song away from Cisco. <laughs> so here's an interesting thing about 2009 Star Trek. J.J. Uh, Abrams was not a Star Trek fan. He did not grow I'm sure up. people loved that. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But David Lindelof was an enormous Star Trek fan. So the script is extremely Star Trek. It is very, very classic Trek. And I love that it sets up a new series and at the same time explains these are not your characters. It, it's a very interesting metatextual uh, example, I think, because it's a reboot that embraces the concept of reboots without being... It's not Without scream. being wink-winky yeah. about it. It's not Scream because it's not like about movies. It's about... Just Star Trek. You know, they're basically saying to Trekkies, hey, you guys, we're not touching your source material. Chill out. Yeah. Yeah. Chill the fuck Relax. out. Preemptively chill. <laughs> Relax. Because it starts with time travel and the timeline separates. And th- all of the stuff that happens in these J.J. Abrams movies, it's not affecting the stuff you love. We're not doing that. We're not touching that. That's all still exists. And it still exists in the universe because Spock comes back and interacts with Chris F, uh, Chris Pines, Kirk. One of the Chris's. And it's amazing. One of the Chris's. One of the Chris's. Y'all got me thinking about the just the scene at the end of the Starsky and Hutch movie with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson <laughs> when they buy a new Grand Torino oh, from the old Starsky and Hutch. I like... <laughs> I can't help but love that. Like, I love that movie. Existed. Yeah, like the Todd Phillips, Starsky and Hutch film, which, hey, look, for a like mid 2000s comedy is like perfectly fine. For like that era of like frat pack, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> Owen Wilson, yeah. everyone, uh, every comedy movie just being the same like seven people for like a, a eight year period. They were the only ones allowed to make anything. Chris Pine, also, I think Chris Pine's interpretation of Kirk is absolutely perfect. It's because he's very handsome. Yeah. It's because he's a thoroughly handsome individual. I honestly think the fact that the cast is young and hot is probably a fucking sticking point because yeah. Trekkies usually, <laughs> I know what historically you're speaking. What, talking, what? No, what? What are you talking about? I'm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. <laughs> Jamie, I think you're totally right. Like, the writers and creators of the movie were explicitly saying, it's okay to like your stuff. This is a different thing. And then it brought in different people, including J.J. Abrams. Like, J.J. Abrams wasn't a Star Trek fan, but he made a Star Trek that he could love. And I think that's really interesting. Lens flares and all. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have opinions on lens flares, but that's just an aesthetic choice. What are your opinions on lens flares, Josh? (laughs) (laughs) There are too many. (laughs) In general? Or just in that film? Yeah, specifically in that film. The backlash was such that it, like, necessitated the third one, didn't it? It was like people were so, like, you've given us two not Star Trek, Star Trek movies. Yeah, Star Trek. So the third one, Star Trek Beyond. Second one is Into Darkness. So the second one I really don't like. Yeah. Because the second one feels like, okay, we're going to bring back a character you all love, Khan. And we're going to. Well, we're not bringing back Khan. No, it's not Khan. It's not Khan. I promise it's not Khan. It was Khan. But it is Ricardo Maltabon. (laughs) Yeah. In a breastplate. Now. Then the third one, 
I love Star Trek Beyond because it's a giant episode of Star Trek. It's just yeah. crazy fun and explosive, and it pairs off all the characters in interesting ways. And it's like, what if we made a big budget episode of the show that you love? And they did, and it was genius. And it didn't make a lot of money, and I was sad. <laughs> and then we'll never see Star Trek again. I do think that a, a healthy dose, though not a saccharine dose of, of levity, is very useful, oh, especially yeah. in I a remake I, setting. I, I, yes. would, I would go so far as to say necessary. <laughs> hey, guys, I love to laugh. Lo- loud and guys, long and I clear really love to Mary Poppins laugh, you know, reference you <laughs> things. It's one of those things where, like, one of the best and worst things about the fact that we all, as a society, have access to the entire breadth of, of human art now at, at our fingertips means that films have to acknowledge that in some mm. way like we there is no it's really hard to make a movie that doesn't understand where it came from and that's in some ways a very daunting task too bad. but does open the door for the film to understand acknowledge film history in in fun ways that i think kind of can bring in the audience in a really interesting way, in a way that was not necessarily the case, even when something like Scream came out, you know, in the, in the same way. Well, I remember getting advice when we were but youths, young film school ruffians running around the halls of Emerson College. I got writing advice from a professor who was just like, if you're trying to write a character or a movie or something, like, don't just fill your brain with other movies and characters that are like the thing you want to make. Like... Read books, go out, like meet people, do have life experiences so that you can write about this thing as opposed to just like, because then you're just retreading the movies that you're watching if you're, if you're only inspiration for your movie is other movies. But that's sort of how we all live now. <laughs> There's sort of, yeah, we live a world right yeah. now where most of our life experience is just media ingestion. We've just become we media ingestion. We live in an of culture. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, how do you, how do you make, stories about people who are themselves ingesting culture all the time it's a philosophical problem to all storytelling that the advent of like cell phones had to horror storytelling it's like you've now you now have to navigate around modernity uh but that extends now to all of media and anything made in the yeah. history of mankind. This is a, 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 a reasonable segue to The House on Haunted oh, Hill 1999 yeah, remake. That is reasonable. House on Haunted Hill, <laughs> the 1999 remake of 1959's House on Haunted Hill, uh, a classic William Castle shocker. William Castle's daughter started Dark House Entertainment, which did a, the remake of, of House on a Haunted Hill as well as a remake of another one of his films, 13 Ghosts, uh, <laughs> around the same time. <laughs> which also rules. Also pretty good. Yeah. Which is like also 13, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 13 Ghosts. Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. Love a Tony, Tony Shalhoub. He can do no wrong in my book, honestly. <laughs> Matthew Lillard, too. Has Matthew Lillard yeah, ever missed? Matthew Lillard. Has, Lillard's has Matthew, Matthew Lillard, Lillard, Lillard ever missed once? No. I no. don't think so. No. The answer is I don't no. think I've no. ever seen he him. He elevates anything he's yeah. in. Always. Yeah. And... House on Haunted Hill is great. I, 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 I would be remiss. It's not great. It is a lot of. It's a lot of fun. It, Which it, one it, are you talking about? We're talking. I mean, both. So I think I, the old well, one is. I, I'm so glad you picked this one because I just watched the old one for the first time. I had only ever watched the remake, and was. I, I, I mean, it's unfair to like go back from 1999 back to what 59 and be like this yeah, movie's 59, boring 58. now so that's it's unfair <laughs> but it is kind of <laughs> i mean it is it's a slow i mean i like i really liked it it the made original. me appreciate the 1991 one a lot actually the more so, i kept okay, watching yeah, it the so more so greg i haven't seen what's so different it's the same high concept right it's the same concept of show up to this mansion that is supposedly haunted a bunch of strangers are invited mm. for a birthday party, and if if they survive the night, then they win 
a million dollars or ten million dollars. What I I think in the new one it's ten million. A large, very round number. Yeah, some large amount of money. Where the remake twists it is that the mansion is an old defunct insane asylum. Ooh, and that's interesting. There was sort of this Mengelevian. Uh, Mengelevian, I like that. Me- Mengelian, I don't know how, like a Joseph Mengele style doctor who would do horrible, you know, shock therapies, but beyond that. So is it actually haunted in? Or so in it... the so in the remake, it's actually haunted. Yeah, because in the original, okay. the original, the the twist, quote unquote, <laughs> sure. Is is that it's not actually haunted? It's Vincent Price at the end of the movie has a skeleton rigged up in with like a weird puppet <laughs> yeah. system. Yes, and this is That's how the most I did it. Vincent Price thing I've ever. It's heard. amazing. Yeah. Yes. It's fucking amazing. Well, and so what's great is that the remake does that right, and so the the the, the, Ooh, the, Vince, okay. the Vincent the Vincent Price character who's named Stephen Price, who's played by. Jeffrey Rush doing right. a Vincent Price impersonation. Oh, has oh the mustache. God. Has the mustache. Yeah, has the mustache is kind of oh doing an impression God. of a Weasley Vincent Price character. Like, he's not really doing Vincent <laughs> Price. He's doing, like, Jeffrey Rush doing Vincent Price's most, like, s- like sniveling kind of... So he's doing an impression of... of a Vincent Price impression. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, it's really, it's yeah. Very it's cool. And it's, like, a great casting choice. And Fomka Jensen is his wife. Who? Oh, oh man. They, oh man! Is it so? It's her birthday. It's her party birthday party. Yes. They make a really weird decision in the remake that they didn't do because the first one just opens with all the guests arriving at the house on Haunted Hill. <laughs> no, the first one starts with the floating oh, head of right. the, yes. of the of, innkeeper of, of yeah, <laughs> who that William Devane looking guy? Who is that guy? And then, yeah, Vincent Price's floating head shows up in like a few minutes later and is just like, did you like that? Are you ready for this movie? (laughs) Here's the movie you're going to (laughs) see. See, this is is why why when you say like you didn't love the original, my brain starts to flatline a little bit. I did love it. I guess that's the thing is I sort of, I found myself so delighted by... Thinking that the remake was just sort of navigating around the insanity of the original, but then adding all of the sort of like 90s flair. So the the original like opens with them, yes, the the floating narration, but then then just arriving at the house on Haunted Hill. But the and they each have a voiceover of why they're got the yeah, house. It's cool. Yeah, but the remake opens with so Jeffrey Rush's character is like a. What he's like a he's he, like he a, runs like an amusement he's like a he's like a thrill a amusement Ooh. no 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 he's the owner of an amusement park okay. but is known for these high concept thrill rides like, and you so, will and, think you're and, dying ooh. on the ride that he is right and so and so it opens oh, it opens that. with a literal roller coaster ride <laughs> where Lisa Loeb is is a reporter <laughs> Lisa and she, Loeb and Spike from Buffy is her cameraman James yeah. Marsden oh, is Marcus. her cameraman yes. yeah they go they go on a on a roller coaster ride where where there's two roller coasters happening like in tandem like they're like one right behind the other like very unsafe and then there's like a scene where it looks like the tra- the track splits open and the the front car <laughs> careens <laughs> off of the roller coaster yeah, and Spike and Lisa Loeb are like, "Oh, we're about to die. We've just watched a And there's like a whole die. scene where Jeffrey Rush is on the phone and like this guy's like, "Uh, sir, we have a problem. We have a problem." And then the, the, he's like, "I don't see any problem." He goes, Oh yeah, like the man in chair six keeps losing an arm. And he's just like, all right, well then disable him and turn him into a screamer. And then yeah. and, and it's like when you realize that like the front car is just <laughs> is just dummies, I guess, that, <laughs> that, that, yeah. that fly off every time, every time this every roller time. coaster runs, they, they, <laughs> they lose a whole car. A whole car a whole <laughs> car of dummies. Well Twitter doesn't exist, so you can't the spoiler isn't happening for people. That's cool. I also found myself picturing just over a tree line. There's just a ravine full of roller coaster cars. <laughs> Every day they send a new one over there. It's part of the ride. It's it's a chiller. Yeah, it's wild. And so it's like he's he's this yeah this thrill jockey, and he and his wife have this this tumultuous relationship. It's her birthday, and they invite all these people to this 
yeah, to this old insane asylum to scare them. And so they do the same thing as in the in the original where like their plan was to just try to scare them and have fun and and you know, the guns that they're given have blanks and you know, they pretend to shoot each other and they have squibs and yeah. all all of the sort of like malarkey along with it. But it turns out that the place is actually, in fact, haunted. <laughs> Very much haunted. Very fucking haunted. Uh, Chris Kattan knows <laughs> it. No one's listening to Chris. Yeah, Kattan. Chris Kattan is the is the is the innkeeper. Uh, they get you know they get locked in. They don't have cell service, and then it's just like Peter Gallagher, Tay Diggs. The woman who plays Miss Vaughn in Billy Madison yeah. <laughs> are are locked in a in a house, and then Jeffrey Combs is the like bad uh, doctor from yeah. the old timey times. Oh, and the movie we're, we're crazy with Jeffs. We got so we got all the best Jeffreys in this movie <laughs> <laughs> of every spelling. <laughs> the movie has a, has like a lot of bad CG, and you know the imagery is very 1999 horror movie. And there's a lot of, like, Jans Fankmeyer-esque, like, herky-jerky, pale colors type things, uh, type imagery that's very effective. And then it's the new metal video where, like, a guy's head spins very quickly, and you're like, oh, "Okay, yeah, yeah. we're in, we're, we're in 1999." Yeah. In case it wasn't obvious, <laughs> the Apex Twins are popular, and we're yeah. all spooked <laughs> out at Grays and Green. The movie falls uh, prey to having a, a terrible new metal soundtrack and a lot <laughs> yeah. of a lot of visuals it, out of like a Marilyn Manson music video. I was gonna where, say, is this one of those one of those horror movies where the soundtrack could just be lifted and played in the Universal Halloween? Horror Nights like maze cues. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. Eerily accurate. Yeah. No, worse than that, worse than that, worse than that. There's a scene where they talk about the birthday party coming up and uh, she says, I put a guest list together for my birthday party. And then as Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams Yeah, plays, Sweet Dreams. Uh, which is so bad. Jeffrey oh, Rush man. goes, here's your guest list, honey. Shredded. And then he puts her guest list through a shredder and makes his own guest list. Then he walks out of the office. Then a really unexplained moment, incredibly unnecessary, where a, go a, a figure we don't see deletes now his, the, now, the, now makes a third guest list. <laughs> Of people, and that ends up being our our people that we have, so that neither Jeffrey Rush nor Famke Jensen knows who, who or why these people are here. Yeah, the literal ghost in the machine. Yeah, just just as like you know what? No, third. I think what this movie needs is a third guest list. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're missing. Thrill as guest list. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> no one will be seated during the thrilling guest list rewriting. <laughs> no one will check the return <laughs> yeah. stamps on these envelopes. <laughs> all of that, all that discussion of reboot and remakes, kind of a long-winded way for us to say. We're taking a little break. <laughs> and we're going to come back better than ever. We don't know how to say goodbye. Yeah. Yep. School will be back in session. We will not have a oh, new yeah. cast replacing us. We will not be but younger yeah. and hotter. We'll still be doing the stuff we do, but maybe we'll, you know, adjust for the times and do other things like this sometimes. Uh, yeah. And for anyone worried that we can make the promise now, there will absolutely not be more women in it. Uh, <laughs> Thank I God. That, I can make that I foul can't, right I now. I can't compete with any more. Come on now. But yeah, we'll be back. I think we just, you know, we all got lives and got busy and don't want to put out inferior uh, products. So we're going to take a little break and make some junk and then come back and give it to your faces. Yeah. Well, you're Yeah, from the sides of your faces. I guess, we, yeah, we actually bypassed the face entirely. Never mind. We're not. <laughs> nothing for, is for your face. Yeah, we, we cut out the middleman of faces, <laughs> yeah. Casey. We are straight. From our our mouths to your ears, into right into the brains. Gus. Gus. Gross. Uh, uh, uh. In your ear. Podcast Network.